So Margo mentioned in, in the prayer time that um, we've been thinking about our son. He's off in college now, so that's a new experience for him. And it's on our minds a lot. And um, it's, uh, it's different. There's a lot of differences between college back in, in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I went to college. And um, when uh, uh, he's going to college right now, I noticed the food in the cafeteria is much better. The dorms are a little bit better. And the, the connectivity with the parents has changed as well. Um, when I went to college, we had, we had phones in our dorm rooms, but they were only with the internal campus phone network. You couldn't actually phone anybody um, who was off campus unless you had got like a phone calling card back when people paid for long distance, things like that. So I couldn't make an outgoing call to my parents. I had to wait for them to call, and that didn't happen uh, too often. But today, things are different. Today, uh, people have got uh, phone calls, of course. Um, our, our son has a, has a um, what do you call it, a cell phone. And uh, he's got email, and but most of all, he's got texts. And so we've received probably, I don't know, 20 texts a day for the last 10, 10 days. So I'm guessing, uh, Sinner received. So we've been back and forth. We've been in touch with him. And that's a big different thing. Because for me, it was kind of fire and forget. You know, we'll see you at Thanksgiving. And... And that was really the way college was back in the day. And maybe some of you can remember similar situations, but it has changed. And so I'm hearing a lot about, you know, this class or this teacher, things like that. You know, I I can't remember my password for the campus network, things that I didn't have to deal with. And what I've been trying very hard not to do in the course of all that is to give him too much advice. You know, when you get 10 or 15 texts in the course of a day as a parent, whether they were meant to be just kind of FYI or not, they come, they come across as a plea for advice, and so I'm kind of biting my tongue a lot, trying not to overwhelm him with advice, trying to say, pretend it's 1979 and he can go to college and figure it all out on his own and support him and encourage him, but don't inundate him with his advice. So, so that's kind of what's on my head, and so it's, it's, I've probably only advised him a hundred times or something in the last ten days, so, so I'm working hard on it. But partly, I think the reason is, why should he be any different, Right? We all get advice. Who here has gotten advice just today? We've probably all gotten some kind of advice today. We get advice from our family members. So keep looking straight ahead. Don't, don't nudge, right? But you get advice from your family members about the things you should do, right? You get advice at work about the things you need to do. You get advice at school about the things you need to do. You get advice if you turn in the TV. They tell you, you know, if you really want to have white teeth, you need this kind of toothpaste. Or if you really want to have a great driving experience, you need to upgrade your driving experience to this car. You get advice all the time. Even if you're watching a program that's not very popular and they can't sell ads, you get advice because they put PSAs on it, right? And then there's some helpful message about you should stop smoking or lose weight or something like that. There's just an infinite amount of advice out there. You go to the bookstores, they're filled with with good advice. The world is awash in good advice. And oftentimes, the church is part of that. Oftentimes, the church is seen as a dispenser of good advice. Uh, Rules, you know, Ten Commandments, not suggestions, and advice about how are you actually going to achieve those Ten Commandments. So the church sometimes comes across as all about advice. And that's a strange thing. And it's not because the the church doesn't have uh, advice to offer. Um, But it's not the center of what the church is all about. If, if you look at what the church has historically been about, if you look particularly at the early church, at the very beginning time, say the first century or so, 
after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, nobody described the church as being about advice. There's just nobody who talks about the church as a dispenser of advice. The, the language that is consistently used all through the, the New Testament is the church is about good news. And I see we've got a picture up there. So um, uh, good news is what the church is about. Um, and this, this book right here, I should, I should just tell you right now, this was going to be a series that I stole every idea from, but it, the book has too many, too many good ideas, and I decided it wouldn't make a good series, it would make a good year-long study. So, um, so I'm not going to be preaching from this, but I am going to be stealing ideas from it all during the course of this uh, next series we're going to be going through. Um, it's by N.T. Wright, it's called Simply Good News, and I've underlined three or four things on every page because it's really a good book. So if you want to kind of get it from a better source than me, this would be a great place to... Could you back up? Um, uh, so um, he, will, he, will, um, he will fill you full of good ideas about what, what the church meant when it talked about the good news. So um, the church does talk about the good news. We heard that in our, in our uh, readings today. We heard Mark talk about uh, the, the biography of Jesus. He doesn't say, this is the life story of Jesus. He doesn't say, here's some amazing teaching from this guy called Jesus. What does he say? He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And why does he call it the good news? Well, he tells us just a few verses after the beginning. He says, that's the way Jesus himself presented it. Jesus did not say, I come to give you good advice. Jesus didn't say, I come to give you some some information about God. Jesus came to give good news. So in Mark's gospel, it's called good news. But that's not unique to the, the biographies of Jesus, the, the Gospels. It's also true of the letters. The other half of the New Testament is letters, and they say the same thing. We heard from Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he says, he says, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you. So he says, he says what I have been talking to you about, what really every Christian talked about in the, in the early church was not advice. It wasn't teaching about Jesus. It was good news. So um, I think the church has sometimes lost sight of that. Uh, and I think there's two real reasons for that. The first one is that, um, uh, that uh, let me back up a little bit because I know I, he showed me the slide. So I'll, I'll, let, me, let me do this first. What, what is good news? How, how do we know what good news is, right? If somebody said, what is good news? Uh, we would say, it is news that is good, right? Well, this book actually breaks it down a little bit better than that. He says what, what good news is, is an event that has a context that connects it to us and our future, and it tells us that there's something good in our future. If you think about it, that just makes sense. If you heard on the, the news that, that, um, that a, a storm front had, had come up and uh, uh, the weather that they were hoping, that they were expecting to arrive isn't going to happen because of some meteorological thing, that would be good news. There's an event, some, some front in the weather. But the context is we all live in the same atmosphere, and the future is we're going to have better weather tomorrow than we were expecting to have. So it's good news that this storm front didn't materialize or whatever. Um, if you think about the stock market, right, they, they tell you on the news the stock market rose today, well, the event is the stock market rose, but what makes it good news is that you have a retirement account. And so if the stock market goes up, then you have more money. What, what, what 
N.T. Wright says is the, the, the definition of good news is an event that has occurred in the past that is connected to us by some kind of a context we share. And what it does is it tells us something about our future that is positive. So that's the good news. Now, why has the church not perceived, been perceived as being about the good news? I think that there's two real reasons. The first one is linguistic. We don't use the same words for good news that they did in the Bible. In the Bible, there's two words uh, that there's a noun and a verb, and they both are the same one. It's evangelion, and we don't use that word in English. No one goes around talking about evangelion, but we have a similar word, evangelism. But unfortunately, it's a church word. If somebody goes on the stock stock market report, they don't say evangelion, the stock market rose, or the weatherman doesn't come up and say evangelion, the, the weather's going to be nice. We don't use that word except in the context of church. But what it means literally is good news. So in, in Paul's time, in Mark's time, when they said good news, they actually said the word evangelion. So to them, it was very clear, I'm going to tell you something that's good news. Uh, so that's one of the linguistic problems that we have. The other linguistic problem is this word gospel. The word gospel is an old English word. It's goad plus spell, and that means a good narr- narration. We don't use the word spell in English, but we have some similar words. We talk about somebody was spellbound. I was, I was watching this movie, and it was awesome, and I wanted it to keep going, and then the credits rolled. I was spellbound by this movie. So that would be an example of a good story that the movie told. Uh, we talk about a magic spell um, that can only be broken by certain words. So we have some similar words, but that's the problem is we don't use the word gospel the same way. Again, the weatherman doesn't say gospel. The, the stock market guy doesn't say gospel. These words have been kind of filed off into the church, and so the words we use are not the right words. We should say good news, and instead we say evangelism, and we say, we say gospel. So in Paul's time, it was much simpler. So that was one of the reasons that the church is not perceived as being about good news. But the other one is I think that it's just been so long that it's hard to imagine something that happened 2,000 years ago as being news, right? Now, according to N.T. Wright, it is news because it's an event that shares a context and tells us something about our future. But it's hard to remember that for 2,000 years. It was not hard. Let me, let me tell you what it was like in the time of Paul. Here's a man. Uh, this is a book by a man named Bart Ehrman. He is a uh, modern scholar of, of, the, of religion. And uh, what he says about the events in the Bible uh, the the um, the the life of Jesus. This book is called "Did Jesus Exist?" And in it, he says this. And he says, um, "We do know that Jesus did exist, as virtually every scholar of antiquity, of biblical studies, of classics, and of Christian origins in this country, and in fact, the Western world agrees." So he says, "There is no doubt that while it is an event." And while it may seem like us to be kind of lost in the midst of history and Jesus is kind of like King Arthur, he says, no, there really was a Jesus. Now, what makes that significant is Bart Ehrman is an atheist. He doesn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But he says there's no doubt there was a Jesus. There's, there's just no scholarly um, room for any kind of doubt about Jesus. Now, Paul, of course, goes further. Paul says not only did Jesus exist, but as we heard in our reading, Paul says that he passes on to us as of first importance what I in turn had received. 
He said that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve, and then more than 500 people. He says there are hundreds of people, most of whom are still alive, who know about this event. They don't just know, like Bart Ehrman, that Jesus existed. They know that Jesus rose, and he appeared to hundreds of people. And for Paul, it wasn't something he was talking about that was 2,000 years ago. It wasn't something kind of lost in the mists of history the way it is for us. Paul is saying, this just happened not long ago. How recently did it happen? Well, Mark's gospel was written by about 70 A.D. Uh, certainly no later than 70 A.D. Jesus was crucified probably about 30 to 33. We don't know exactly the date, but one of those years. So a four-year span for Jesus' crucifixion. And then Mark's gospel written by 70 A.D. So that's 40 years. So think back. Some of you know 40 years ago. That would be like 1975 for us. So let me give you some examples of things that happened in 75. Okay, see how many of you, some of you will not remember these, but some of you will. Um, so in 1975, Saturday Night Live premiered. Pink Floyd issued their album, Wish You Were Here. The Rocky Horror Picture Show went from the stage to the big screen. It, it premiered its movie uh, as a movie. Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier in the thriller in Manila. Okay, President Ford, 40 years ago this month, survived not one but two assassination attempts um, during September of 1975. Angioplasty was first tested. It was tested on a dog in 1975, and the next year it was tested on a human. And there are people in this room, and you know other people around you, who have had an angioplasty. That's how recently it occurred, within the last 40 years. Motorola, an employee of Motorola, I love this, he got a patent for the first cell phone. The first ever cell phone patent was issued in 1975 because he had reduced the circuitry from 28 pounds to 3. So you could have a cell phone that only weighed 3 pounds. And, <laughs> and the rest is history. So, so that's how recently Paul is talking. He's saying, he's saying, we're not talking about something that was lost in the, in the dim recesses of history 2,000 years ago. He's saying, as recently as 1975 is to us, he's saying, that's how recently the events are that I'm talking about. And there were hundreds of witnesses, and you can go talk to them. He says, this is not about teaching. This is about news. This is about an event. But Paul wrote even earlier. We heard the passage Paul wrote from uh, 1 Corinthians. He said, I passed on to you what I had already received. So Paul's saying, I already got this. It was already kind of codified and people knew this story before I got it. But Paul wrote his letter in, 19, in, uh, in the year 55, uh, probably within a year or two of 19, of, I keep saying 1955, 55. So Paul wrote 1 Corinthians in 55. That's like 20, 25 years for us. So, so what happened 25 years ago? Those of you in Anchorage, do you remember the Exxon Valdez trial? Okay, 25 years ago, that recently. Nelson Mandela was released from prison in South Africa. Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Margaret Thatcher resigned as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. The first ever Walmart in the West Coast opened in California. The first ever Walmart in Pennsylvania, uh, in the Northeast opened in Pennsylvania. The first Pizza Hut in Moscow. The first McDonald's in China. J.K. Rowling 
got the idea. She was on a train traveling from northern England to London. She got the idea that would become the Harry Potter books. And Tim Berners-Lee wrote the first ever web page. That's how recent 1990 was. Those things happened that quickly. And Paul is saying, that's what I passed on to you. I passed on to you news, not some legend about a guy long, long, long time ago. But he said, an event took place 25 years ago. Maybe, maybe even less, 21, 22 years ago. An event took place that is good news. He says, I would remind you of the good news I proclaim to you in which you stand. I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. Last of all, he appeared to me. Paul says, this is good news. Christianity is not based on a belief system. It's not, it's not about having, having an understanding of rules. It's not a, a system of advice about how to make God happy. Christianity is good news about an event that occurred that is connected to us by a certain context. And we're going to talk about the context over the next couple of weeks. But today, just remember that. Christianity is about an event that occurred. An event that occurred at the time the New Testament was written, as recently as angioplasty was invented. As recently as the cell phone was reduced from 28 pounds to 3 pounds. As recently as... The first web page was written. That's what Paul's talking about. An event that occurred in living memory, and you can still bump into people who saw it face to face. Christianity is not about advice. It's about an event. So we're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about how does that play out? What makes it good? I mean, so far all we've got is it's an event. What makes it good? Well, we're going to talk about that. But I can tell you two things right now. The first thing is, it means we don't have to understand it. Do you understand every event in history? I don't understand it. I don't understand things that are in the news tonight. right? I don't have to understand everything about Christianity. Uh, there are things I do understand about Christianity, but I don't have to. it doesn't always have to make sense. I don't have to always be able to say, I know what God is doing and why. I don't have to know that. There are religions where you climb a ladder, where you are inaugurated into deeper and deeper mysteries, and when you get to the top, you find out there's more mysteries beyond that. Christianity is not like that. You don't have to have everything figured out. Christianity is not about learning some, some secret knowledge. Christianity is an, about an event that occurred in time. So the first thing is we don't have to understand it all. But the second thing is we don't have to obey the rules. Christianity is not about obeying rules. Christianity is not about taking advice. Christianity is about something that has already occurred. It occurred 20 years ago for Paul. It occurred 2,000 years ago for us. Christianity is not about keeping rules. So when, when you go out into the world and, and, and people think you're, you know, Christians are all about rules, you can say, actually, no, Christianity is not about rules. Christianity is about an event. Christianity is about something that God did 2,000 years ago. It's not about rules. Imagine if we could somehow peel off 2,000 years of, of misunderstanding and, and uh, good advice, well-intentioned advice, to get back to the place that Paul encountered the Corinthians at, we just showed up a man who could say, I've got some good news I want to share with you. Imagine if Christians could somehow 
peel off all the layers of, of misunderstanding and, and well-intentioned advice and get back to good news. That's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. We're going to try as hard as we can to peel off all the, the 2,000 years that stood between us and Paul. And we're going to be looking at Christianity to understand what makes it good news. What makes it good news for us and for the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the good news. The good news, the Evangelion, the Gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that if we, if we remember nothing else today, we remember that Christianity is not based on us or our ability to keep rules or to understand uh, information. It's not about teaching. It's not about doctrine. Christianity is about an event that occurred 2,000 years ago. We pray you'd keep that clear for us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.